thank you so much for coming today. Uh, my name's Clint Williams. I, I, I don't know why they asked me to do this. They always ask me to do this once in a while. I usually do it probably about once a quarter. Um, I'm a school teacher. I'm a science teacher in Mount Enterprise, Texas. I teach chemistry, physics, and biology, which means I know nothing. You might think it does, means I know something, but I really don't know anything. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes down to it, uh, they asked me to, to speak today. Um, first off, a few announcements. Uh, the announcements that we have, this week our church was able to serve the BSM, and I got to talk to Gary Davis from the BSM. He wanted to thank all you ladies and men, if men cooked at all, that, that everybody thanks so much for cooking. I'm telling you this right now. I went to the BSM when I was in college, and Wednesday nights, well, again, poor college student, if you're going to feed me, especially good food, we are ridiculously thankful. So think about it. You're able to minister to those people those students that really and truly might not get good home-cooked meals all throughout the week. Because if you remember ramen noodles and all that kind of just put it in a bowl and let's heat it up kind of deal, that's basically what you live your life off of. So thank you so much for those who helped out. This Tuesday, we're gonna, the, uh, the BSM and all of the Christian organizations that in SFA are going to come to our church and have worship Tuesday night. They're gonna, it's going to be around 730 what we ask of our church is, hey, if you want to come and worship with college students, please come. It's, going to, it's, it's awesome. Here's the deal. I met my wife there at, uh, at it's called Great Escape then. So single guys, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't a bad place to hang out, okay? If you want to find a girl, don't go to a bar. Come right here to church. So this is where you find them, okay? You don't want to go places where you don't know what you're going to get. Um, so you want to be careful there. Now we're talking biology. No, we're not. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, here's, what I, here's what I'm saying. Uh, I know that we are going to try to serve them finger foods. That, after the service, and try to give them some food to eat. Again, food for college students is like money to me and you. Okay, it's awesome. Um, <clears throat> the elder and deacon meeting has been canceled. That's what I was told, just to let all the elders and deacons. And we have a business quarterly meeting on the 19th. So just for those who... For those members who know about that, please, please come attend. Listen to me. You can't gripe about anything if you don't come to business meetings, okay? So don't gripe if you don't come to business meetings, okay? That's when decisions get made. That's when things happen. That's when your voice can be heard. Please come to business meetings. They, they really change our church. Um, also, small groups on Wednesdays. If you're not involved with anything on Wednesday nights, I'm telling you right now, our church has had an amazing ministry where we, we break into small groups, okay? You get a chance to talk, okay, not just somebody up here talking to you. You get a chance to talk. We have a men's group, a ladies' group. We have a finance class. We have, and that's usually with couples. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. If, you. if you're not in one of those, you need to. It's going to push you in your walk. It's going to let you be able to get to know people. Um, I will say this. To be a part of a church, you need to be involved with a body. And what that, what that it does, and I'm being honest here, what that does is that, requires you to get uncomfortable a little bit. I know we don't like to be uncomfortable, but you got to go and try to meet people. Try to step out and talk to people. Sometimes what we want to do is we want to hide in our corner. We like to hide in our pew and stay there. I'm telling you, meet people. Get to know people. Talk to them. I guarantee, listen to me, there are some amazing people in this, in this room. 
There's some amazing stories in this room, and they want to know you, and they want to share their life with you, and we want to sh- your life to be shared with us because you have an amazing life and amazing testimony because just like this thing said, it's your story, but your story begins with him. And so that's what we want. We want to hear those things. Um, Leslie's going to come up later and talk about Halloween. Um, Kaylee Dinsman and uh, Mitchell Smith are having a bridal shower. Um, it's going to be November uh, 6th. If you don't know either one of those people yet, you need to. They're an awesome couple, and, and, and pretty. They're, they're, you never know what they're going to say. That's what I love about both of them. Okay, uh, let's let's go ahead and start. Let me let's pray real fast. Lord Jesus, thank you for today, and God, I thank you for the people in this room. Lord, I thank you for the visitors, and I thank you for the members in this room. God, I thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we please become a church, Lord, that just is unified in Jesus. That it's not about us, but it's all about you. God, I pray, God, that you would just give us the wisdom to hear these words to know that it's not some guy up here talking, but it's you and we're reading your word and we're just trying to listen to what you have to say to us today. Lord, let us be still. Let us, let us be able to hear what you have for us, God. God, change our hearts, mold us into what you want, Lord. We will be the clay and you be the potter. God, please make us into who you want us. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna be in James 3. James 3. Um, being in James 3, James, sir, we uh, in, in our Connect Group class, in the Ignite Connect Group class, we have been going through the book of James in the last, oh, I'd say all summer long. They're still doing the book of James. Um, I want to be honest with you, the book of James is not a fun book to read if you're not ready to get some buttons pushed. James straight tells you what he thinks, and he's not playing in any way. He tells you what he's thinking. He wants you to, he wants you to see what, what really and truly it takes to live this Christian life. So we're going we're gonna to come to that in just a second. Um, last year, Ryan asked me to speak on October 7th about Quinn and her journey through having leukemia. If you don't know the story, my daughter had leukemia at the age of 15 months old. And having 15, being, when she had the leukemia, we had nothing but bad news, nothing but bad news. And, and, and really, and truly, we had no hope of where, where we were going um, for a good two months. She needed a bone marrow transplant, and that bone marrow transplant, she basically needed new blood to be made in her body. At that time, in the hospital, eight other people were diagnosed with the same thing, and what, what, we, what we found out was is that the chances are slim that anything would, would, would happen that would be good. What was amazing about that, still is amazing and still is a miracle from God, that she got a bone marrow donor and I got to be her bone marrow donor. Your parents should not be able to be bone marrow donors because you're half your mom and half your dad. It has to be almost an exact match, about an, eight, an 80% match to be able to be a bone marrow donor. Now, I know what you're thinking. Me and my wife inbreeding? No, it's not. It's not an inbreeding thing going on. But, but I will say this. I will say this. It was an amazing story that God knew the outcome before. We, we, we were thinking, how is this going to be? How is this going to glorify God? How is this going to make you look good? But the end of the story really did. Um, the other day, uh, well, hold on. But before, and what was amazing about that, she, she then got, she, she got out of uh, chemo, got the bone marrow transplant, which was not a, not a fun ride. We were in the hospital um, for a good uh, eight, 
eight months. Um, we got to come home. We, we got to the hospital in November. We got to come home the following July. And so we were just in and out of the hospital, if not in, living in the hospital permanently. Um, it, was a, it was a rough time for us. Ron asked me to speak last year at this time. And Scott asked me to talk about a life verse. The life verse that, that I shared then, I'll share it with you today. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 16. You don't have to turn there. Anyone who's heard me speak in the last so much, I will always refer to this verse because it really is a life verse. And maybe you can get something out of this today, maybe what you're going through. So we do not lose heart through our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. In other words, they fade away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And the truth is, is that when, he, when, 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 when Scott asked me to, to share a life verse, there's no other verse that I really could share with that. And at that time in my life, I needed to hear that I can't see what God's doing here. I can't see where you're going with this. I, can, I, know, I know everything works for your glory. I know everything's for you, but I don't get it. And even when it, basically, when it, was all, when it was all over and I could say, okay, praise God, praise God, praise God, the eight kids that had the same diagnosis, none of them made it. This is a real thing that happens right now. There is a floor in Houston, and it's nothing but sick kids that have cancer. And there are parents right now living today wondering if a kid's going to make it off that floor. I'm just being realistic. But here's the deal. You would have never known that is even real unless you went through it. How my daughter made it, I don't know. But every moment, I take that as a gift. I'm excited. Um, she got to sit up there and sing um, our story. And she'll be like, Dad, that's your song. No, I'm like, no, that's your song. And so the cool part about that is, is that God brought that. He, 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 he was there. He's there always. Um, she's doing great now. Her condition's great. She's a miracle. Um, but here's the deal. In this church, we've seen miracles. We've seen miracles. I, I was talking to someone the other day. I, I, go, I go to a lot of places, get to meet a lot of new people a lot, a lot through the week. Um, on Friday, I got to go have dinner with some people, and when I went to go have dinner with people, I, I told them what church I went to, and this is what they said. They said, yeah, man, I'm sorry to hear about your church. Sorry to hear about your church. Um, and, they, and they said it almost as if God was picking on us. And the funny part was is that I, 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 I stopped and said, you know what? Yeah, it's been hurt. It's been bad. It's been tough. But I'll be honest with you, God's still there. And God's still moving, and he is alive. He's alive in the church, and here's the deal. He's alive in these people. So, so I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard to see. Here's the deal. It's easy to see the bad, but it's sometimes hard to see the good. These people in this room love each other. This is a church where people want to pour into your life, and they want you to pour in others. So I just want to make sure that we know who we are. Um, when my daughter was going through cancer, this church— gave financially, gave with prayer, gave time. They would come and see us. And sometimes you want to see someone who you, you want to see a familiar face. And sometimes that's the best thing you can see. 
um, when it comes down to it, God's done multiple miracles in this room. He's cured cancer for multiple people. He's done, he's done, he's, he, we have, I don't know if you know this or not, we have an amazing young adults in this class. This, I mean in this class, in this church, school, sorry. But when it comes out, listen to me, we have an amazing young adults. These people have babies all the time, okay? Okay, we're, we're, we're growing the church somehow, okay? But we, I mean, so the church is definitely growing one way or the other. But when it comes down to it, listen to me, we aren't doing it. It's nothing that the elders do right. It's nothing that the deacons do. It's all about Jesus, and it's not about us. We not, again, we might not be able to see it, but God's still here. He's still moving. He's still changing our hearts. Um, 2 Corinthians, that is a beyond a life verse for me. Um, and the truth is, is that it's a life verse for me because it's not talking about today. It, you, it keeps on talking about focusing on, tomorrow, focus on eternal things, not, not earthly things. And that's where I want to talk about today. Today, this last week, this last summer, I think I've, I've nothing but wanted to say, God, show me something that's going to make me feel like, make me grow. And the truth is, is it's growing in wisdom. And today I want to talk about wisdom with you. And, and, and James 3, as he talks about wisdom, he talks about basically how wisdom is acquired, what true wisdom is, what fa- false wisdom is. Let's read there. But first, hold on, I'm sorry. James, I don't know if y'all, y'all know who James is? James is Jesus' brother. And in the scriptures, in Mark 9 and other scriptures, it says that James did not believe Jesus was the Son of God throughout his entire life. It took Jesus to be resurrected from the grave for his brother to believe who he really was. His mom was sitting there saying, hey, look, that's the Son of God. But truth is, his brother didn't even believe him. But his brother, after he resurrected, he believed who he was. And this is taking place after the day of Pentecost. Okay, and I know I'm talking big, big things for some people. But listen, the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came into everyone's heart, everyone who believed in Jesus. And then from there, it literally started like a wildfire, and Christianity just started just to spread everywhere. But in Jerusalem at this time, Stephen was just killed. And all the Christians left Jerusalem and just started spreading all across the entire country, all across the entire area. So when James is talking, what's funny about it, and here's the deal. Uh, Matt Chandler says that James is like a MRI machine. He will tell you straight on how it is. And it's true. If you need a little conviction in your heart and you want to know where you're messing up, read the book of James. Um, Dr. Scott even said, Dr. Scott, I was talking to him. I talked to him like three times this week. And trust me, when me and Dr. Scott talk, it's a long conversation. Um, but when we were talking this week, we talked about, basically, I could literally get up here and just read the book of James, and it would be like preaching hellfire and brimstone. Because that's how sincere and how strong he, he, he writes this book. So when he writes this book, he's calling every one of us out, okay? So we're going to talk about wisdom. And I understand that you're sitting there going, dude, you're a 34-year-old boy. What do you know about wisdom? I, I get that. But I will say this, I'm not saying, this is what the Bible says. This is what James says. James saw Jesus. If you think you have more wisdom than someone who saw Jesus, well, then we might have a pride issue, okay? Just being honest, okay? So, but when it comes down to it, listen, let's read, let's read James 3 and listen to these words. James 3, verse 13. 
who is wise and understanding among you? First off, he's kind of calling you out when he just asked that question. By his good conduct, let him show his works in, in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. For this is not the, tr- this is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there, is, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and, and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in the peace by those who make peace. The first thing that, that you have to understand before you even can even get to this is when we talk about the word wisdom, is really and truly, he's, he's letting off right off the beginning where he talks about you have to be meek to be able to understand this. Meek to what? Meek, meek means humble. Humble to what? Humble to who? And to be honest with you, before you can understand the word wisdom, you really and truly have to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, to understand the word wisdom is an impossible thing. Now, when it comes down to it, what, well, I talked to Dr. Scott, and I asked him to define what, what wisdom was. And I've been asking all kinds of people this week. I've been asking high school students. I've been asking my wife. My wife was offered to come in here. Mr. Monroe asked her to come in here. She's like, I don't want to come here. I've heard this sermon all week. I don't, I'm tired of listening to him. So, so, so that's where my wife is. She's out there in the back. Um, real supportive. No, I'm just joking. Um, but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, where, where, where do we get our wisdom from? Where do we get wisdom from our, from our hearts? And if you look, you don't have to turn here. In Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. For those who practice this is in good understanding, for his praise endures forever. Um, in Proverbs 9.10, Solomon writes that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the, of the Holy One is, the, is of insight. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, what does fear of the Lord mean? And I, I would say probably in like March, I actually spoke on this up here at this stage. Fear of the Lord is being not fear that God's going to strike you down with a piece of lightning right now, which he definitely could if he wanted to. I'm not saying he couldn't. But what I am saying is that we are in, in fear of God's amazing goodness to us that we do not deserve. That, that he is good to us by dying on the cross and sending his son when we deserved the punishment that Jesus Christ endured. That is the fear that this has to start with. For you to understand wisdom, you have to understand that you start off on a, you, you overall have a debt that needs to be paid to God because you have sinned against him over and over and over and you can't stop. I'm sorry for those who think they're holy. You're not going to quit sinning. And you need Jesus, who died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago, who died for all of our sin. So for, for you to understand his wisdom, you have to understand his goodness. You had to understand how good God was to you. That's the beginning of that wisdom. What, what, I, find, what I find amazing is that if we look at one another, that's not where our wisdom starts. Our wisdom starts with our wisdom, what we've learned through life. Because let's be honest, 
Who do we want this world to be about? We want it to be all about me. We want it to be all about us. And I'm being honest, think about it. If it's all about you, it, it, think about it. How, how great is that or how good is that? Or maybe that's a bad thing. Think about it. If the world is all about you and everything revolves around you, is that a good thing? Think about it. Um, think about the illustration of you get to come home, your kids are in bed, the food is on the table, and everything's for you, for your life to be perfect and great and no problems at all. And people are like, man, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Because remember, it's all about you. We make decisions based on every single day about how it can benefit me and how it can help me. But here's the deal. The problem is we have that perspective completely wrong because, listen to me, God is not trying to do things based on your will. He's trying to do it on his will. What we want and what we sometimes think, God, just give me this. If I get this, I'll, I'll be okay. God, God, just give me this, and I'll be happy, and I'll, and I'll have what I want, and I'll, and I'll have, uh, if, God, let me spend my money. Uh, God, I'm going to spend my money however I want to. I'm going to spend my time however I want to. Because guess what, God? It's not about you. It's about me. It's not about your will. It's about my will. So, God, get out of the way and let me do what I got to do. And truth is, that's crazy. Because if you believe that there is a God that's above, that's almighty, you realize that, hey, it's not about me. So let me ask this. Is God for you? Yes, it says that in the Bible. But is God for your will or is he for his will? He's for his will. His will will be done no matter what. Even if we can't see the goodness of it. Even if we can't see how it benefits us in the long run, God is for God first. And that's a great thing. That's an amazing thing for us. We look at that as, well, why is God, why is God so selfish? Why is it always about him? Listen to me. If it's about us, then every decision that you make today is so, so important. And if you make one bad decision, your entire world is going to fall apart. If it's about God's, God's will, and it's God's in control, guess what? God is the one that gets glory and praise. God is the one that's going to allow this thing to happen. If you're trying to live your life for you, you're living it the wrong way. Let me, let me ask this. If you're a married person in this room, and your marriage is all about you, how happy are you going to be? Not very happy, right? If, you're, if your marriage is all about you and always about how, how she or he hasn't done things for you, and you've never, it's never been about them, how happy is your marriage going to be? I mean, what about kids? If, if your life is always about the parent, and it's always about you, how good of a parent can you be? How good of a friend can you be? If it's always about you, how good of a friend can you be? So here's the deal. We do not want it to be about us. I know that's what we do because our selfish flesh wakes up in the morning and all we think about is us. But we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about God. We want it to be about others. We want it to be, because really and truly, that's the, that's the joy of, of serving God. So if we look at those verses, let's look at the verses in James 3. And we look at James 3. If we look at verse 13, verse 13 
It says this. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? I just think that's funny in a way because he's kind of calling us out. Like, so, so look, imagine, who is wise? The truth is, is that anyone who would say, I'm wise, are they very wise? No, they're not. You would think about it. Think about it. He says to do this in meekness, be, be humble in your wisdom, is what it says in the same verse. It says, by his good conduct, let him show works in the meekness of wisdom. Not in, hey, you should listen to me. I have wisdom. I, I got this whole thing figured out. I got this whole thing figured out. It doesn't tell us to do that. It, it says that that's actually the bad thing. Verse 14, it starts to unwrap for us in verse 14 what false wisdom is. And here's the truth. Some of us in this room do not have godly wisdom. We have false wisdom. And I'm one of them. I have to tell myself and die to myself day in and day out, and I have to die to myself and try to break my heart and let God break my heart and let him say, okay, no, it's my way, not your way. Because think about it. What do we do? We try to push God off the throne of our lives, and we try to take the seat and, make the, and, and try to take command, try to, try to make the changes and try to do what we're supposed to do. The truth is, that is overall, and it's really demonic in a lot of ways. If we look there at verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, so this thing about it, overall what he's calling false wisdom is this, false wisdom, wisdom that is earthly, wisdom that is bad, wisdom is bitter, jealous, and selfish. How could it not be? Right? If it's all about me, how is it not bitter? How are we not je always jealous of what everyone else has and what everybody else got and what everyone else is doing? And how are we not selfish in everything that we do? The truth is, is that if we have true wisdom, we don't do that. We don't, we, 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 we are not jealous where therefore we are content with what we have. We are not bitter because we find joy not in us, but in what God has given us. And we're happy with what we have today. And we are not selfish, but instead we are trying to be selfless and trying to give whatever we can to everyone else. We put others before ourselves. And that's what we talked about today in youth. The truth is, what I, what I find that's amazing is that the older I get, it doesn't mean that this gets easier. And for those who understand what godly wisdom is in this room, you know that, hey, it's easy to wake up and to only care about yourself, to only worry about me, because it's all about me. And then you wake up, and then you make a huge mistake. Maybe you hurt your wife's heart, or you hurt your husband's heart, or you, maybe you, you, you're too strict on your child, and you're like, and then you immediately, you're like, wow, this would have never happened. It's, this is, I'm trying to base my life around me, not around God, not around Jesus. I'm not, trying to put, I'm not trying to put my kids and my wife first. I'm trying to put me first. We do this, don't we? So that, that's, what, that's what it starts off to be. Some of the things that happen from, from the false or, go, or not godly wisdom are these things. Look at verse 15. It says, this is not wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly. Earthly. The word earthly is really talking about time. It's talking about a time period. That it, it's not 
earth, earthly means that we're talking about what can benefit me now on this planet right here. Has anyone ever bought something that thought, hey, this thing is going to make me so happy. This is going to make our family happy. This is going to do everything so great for us. And then you find out it doesn't make anybody happy, especially like a, like a boat. Like my family bought a boat, and they realized, oh, my goodness, you've got to clean this boat every time you get off the, every time you get off the lake. Everyone wants to borrow your boat. You've got to keep up with all those licenses. And, rest, and I'm sorry, people who have boats. I'm not trying to pick on you. But what I am trying to say is that you buy something thinking that it's going to bring you nothing but joy and happiness and greatness. But really and truly, you find that it's really and truly, it's, it's not worth all that trouble. It's not worth all that heartache that really and truly you become a slave to that thing. And you really and truly put that thing in a category where it shouldn't be. We do that. We do that because we know what we're trying to do. We're trying to be happy now here on earth. The godly wisdom is telling us don't look at now. Look at eternity. So think about it. Your decisions that you make today, are they going to have an eternal weight? Are they going to have eternal weight that's going to actually change, do something later? So think about it. When you buy stuff, do we ever think, well, buy this. Is it going to have an eternal weight for later? Are we going to, when you do things, are, are, do they have, do you think, hey, this is going to be an eternal weight later? Or do we always think, I just need happiness right now, God. And God, you're not giving it to me by following your rules. So guess what? I want to push you off the throne, and I'm going to do it. It's all about me. We do that. I do that. We struggle with this. We have to realign ourselves day in and day out so that we won't do this. It also says to be unspiritual. And unspiritual is basically saying that we try to do things without the Holy Spirit's guidance. We try to do things without even considering praying, talking to Jesus, uh, reading the Bible, anything. We, we basically run from people who would try to speak truth into our lives. And every one of us have done that in some time of our life. That we know that if I get around David Norman, that he's going to try to steer me back to the right way. And so what I do is I avoid David Norman. And the truth is, is that I shouldn't do that. He's trying to speak spiritual health into me, not, not hurt me, trying to help me. Um, it also says that you are demonic. The truth is, if you're demonic, this is what you are. When you basically push God off the throne and you say, God, I don't need you, that is a lie. And here's the deal. Demons are the king of lies. Satan, the king of lies, basically is going to tell you every lie that's bad about yourself, that you're not good, that you don't, you're not, you don't matter, that God will never forgive you because that is a straight-from-hell kind of view. Listen to me. You can be forgiven, and God is waiting. He's knocking at the door. He can't wait to, 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 for, to bring you back under his, under his reign. Even though we keep on saying, God, it's all about me. It's not about you. God can't wait to bring you back. But the demonic part is going to keep going, hey, he won't let you come back. He won't let you back into his, his, his people. That's not true. Um, the next thing, verse 16, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Verse 17 starts talking about truism. Verse 17, 
But the wisdom from above is first pure. That purity part is first off is saying that it is clean. Like it is made clean. It is made clean. Here's the deal. I don't think I've ever had wisdom that was clean. First off, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so this week, I got to help the FFA students build some projects as they were building some projects for, for an auction. This week, this boy built this coffee table, and he built the legs out of one-by-sixes, okay? They took apart pallets, and it was a one-by-six, and basically, he, he's so proud of this, of this coffee table he made. Now, this student is, is an amazing welder. He can weld anything. He's good with metal. His dad's a welder. He's a welder. He loves to weld. He told me multiple times, man, I can't do much with wood. I'm not good with wood. I'm not good at building things out of wood. I'm like, I get it. I, on the other hand, I can't do anything with welding, but I can usually make things out of wood. We walk up. He's showing me his project, and no joke, another student backs into it. The whole entire coffee table falls apart. What I later found out was the, 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 uh, the, the ag teacher told him a hundred times, those legs will never stand. Those legs will never hold up. Those legs will never be strong enough for, that, for, this, for this project. If you put 10 books on it, it'll fall apart. But guess what? That student ignored him over and over and over. Because you know why? He thought he had a little bit of knowledge. But he had no wisdom. The, the ag teacher had the wisdom and was trying to speak into that student's life. And the truth is, is that when you walk over, he pushed over, the, pushed over that coffee table, and it completely collapsed. Now, the ag teacher and I actually helped him re rebuild it, and we built it out of two-by-fours and things like that. It made it strong. But the point of the story is, is that, think about it, we try to build our lives on what we think is right because of the knowledge that we've acquired. Ooh. But the truth is, if it's not based on what God is telling us, the true godly wisdom, it's going to fall every time. Think about it. I, I mean, am I that boy who's going to ignore? I know what to do. Even, even, even in the James, in James 1, it talks about being not just a, do, a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. So here's the deal. We, we know what to do. We know how to get the wisdom that God really wants in our hearts. But here's the deal. We don't do that. We still, idiotically, in a lot of ways, we still just put one by sixes for the legs, and it's going to fall every time you put, you put pressure on it. So think about it. How much of your life, your marriage, your children, your friends, how much of it has been built on bad wisdom? And how much of it's been built on godly wisdom? To be honest with you, I have to like relook at myself every day and wake up and say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. And how do I do this? Realign myself. Um, if you keep, it says first thing is to be pure. To be pure basically means to be clean. Now, to be honestly, as human beings, we can never be cl clean without the blood of Jesus. So if we're not going back and tapping into his power and his strength and we're not giving every day to him, that means that we're trying to do it for ourselves, and it's all about us. It also says, it also says peaceable. Peaceable, being a person with peace, trying to make everything peaceful. Um, gentle. I have a hard time with that one. Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, 
good fruits, impartial and sincere. Here's what's hard for me as a Christian to read this. That one doesn't describe me. What describes me is most likely the other, is the false wisdom. But here's the deal. Jesus is still working. And here's the deal. He's still working in your heart if you know him. If you don't know him, then really and truly, your wisdom is based on you, and it's all about you. And truth is, that's exhausting. You should be stinking tired. How can it all be, always be about you? If it's always about you, how, are, how is anything, anything fun and anything good? Because if it's about you, it's all about the moment. What are you going to have in eternity? A whole bunch of nothing. If we keep looking, it says, it says, and then the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if we really and truly think about this, this is what I want you to understand. Listen to me. God is basically calling us to jump in brand new water. Some of us, have we believe Jesus, we know Jesus, we understand Jesus. But the truth is, is that we don't have that wisdom from God because what we want to do is we want to go, look, Jesus, I love you on Sunday and I love you on Wednesday, but guess what? All those other days, it's all about me. It's not about you. It's all about me. So what we do is we push Jesus off the cross. Well, off, we push him off, off the cross. We push him off the throne, and we take the throne, and we say, guess what? Those are my days. That's us. And there's some of you, listen to me, that the only time you've thought about Jesus or t- talked about God is today, all week. I'm just being honest. Listen to me. Stop. It's going to get you nowhere. If you want to turn your life, and have good godly wisdom, tap into Jesus and what he offers and what he gives. How do we do that? We basically, first off, we get in God's word. We stay in God's word. We jump into God's word, and we stay close to him. Because here's the deal. If you want to know how to act godly, you basically need to know the character of God. The way to do that is get in God's word. Stay with Jesus. Follow his word. Do these things. The next thing is is this, and, and, and here's where, especially when it comes down to students, listen to me. Who are you hanging around? And, and people, at, people who are at work, who are you hanging around? Are they speaking life into you? Or are they bringing you down? Have, when, when this week were you around people who lifted you up spiritually? And guess what? Some of us can never talk about spiritual things with other people. Well, guess what? You need to stop. You need to. Push yourself. Get uncomfortable. Because guess what? When you do, your life basically just starts to blossom and you just start turning into a person that God wants you to be, not who you want to be. Because guess what? It's not about you. It's all about him. So this is what I want you to think about. Think about it. Are you true wisdom or are you false wisdom? As the band comes up, with, with, when Ryan and them come up, this is what I want you to think about. Is God basically first? Are you? Is it all about you or is it all about, is it all about him? Let's pray. Lord God, I I thank you so much for this room. And God, I know there are people in this room who do not know you, who do not understand basically what wisdom is, because guess what? They don't don't know Jesus, and the the wisdom starts by fearing God. 
Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would understand that they can make an eternal decision today. That it's not a decision based on earth, but it's a decision that will have an eternal weight. Because, God, you are calling them home. You are calling them to you. Lord, I pray that these people in this room would see and hear from you and be sensitive that Jesus needs them to be able to understand real wisdom. Because, God, they're tired of living for themselves. They're tired of it always being about them. They're tired of it about being about them because when it's about them, God, Lord, we, we can't hold up the stresses of this world alone. We need you. God, I pray for all these people. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, if, if there are people who want to join a church, be a part of a church that people want to dive into their lives, that people want to know things about them. God, let them know that this is the place. Lord, I'm going to be honest. I need help with wisdom. And I don't care if you are a 10-year-old in here or if you're an 80-year-old man or woman. We need wisdom and godly wisdom, not about us but all about you. God, please change hearts, God. Lord, keep moving in us, God. Don't stop, God, because you're not going to stop doing miracles in this room. You're going to keep doing miracles in this room because, God, this is not about us. It's all about you. Lord, please, God. And, Lord, I know you're going to move. And, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.